Jose said, my name is uh, Theo Hudala, and uh, excited to be here. That is actually Polish. Um, people don't think that. I get flagged in airports all the time. Um, and I, it's very serious. Last, we, we interviewed in California, and I accidentally left my Leatherman tool in my bag, right? And then I also brought my pre-workout with me and my carry-on. And so they, they're like, you know, you have this knife thing, and so they had to throw it away. And then they're like, oh, what's this powder? They swabbed it, and it came back with explosive residue. I spent the next 15, 20 minutes um, having all of my stuff unpacked and repacked and getting fully searched. So it was... Uh, uh, an experience. But yeah, we're uh, going to be at, we interviewed in Canada in nine different states, uh, feeling, wondering where God was going to lead us. And then we found a church that's 10 minutes from our house that we had no idea was looking. And so uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing to see what God does. And uh, I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. I was a youth pastor in Missouri Valley, Iowa for five years. Uh, deaned the high school camp out at Camp Naboa for, I think, four years. It was awesome. Uh, hope I don't have to do that again. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, but I tell you that uh, I think I've preached here once before, and I'm going to stand over here because if I stand over here, it doesn't pop. Um, sorry, you guys, if I don't move that way, it's not because I don't like you. It's they're interacting more. Um, <laughs> But uh, I want to share some words of Jesus with you this morning. And I noticed that you guys have the vintage car show and steak night coming up. That sounds awesome. I was like, that is great. And, and I don't know where you, you all grew up or what towns you've lived in, but you've probably seen this on a car. You're driving down the road and you look over and there's a very loud car, maybe missing its muffler. And it's uh, rusted out. It might be a Ford Crown Victoria or a Chevy Cavalier. And then you notice something. The rims are really big and really shiny. Where I grew up, that was common. You'd see someone, you're like, your car sounds awful, it's rusted out, but your rims look so good. You must have spent over $1,000 on those rims, and you could have fixed your car. Um, so often, though, I think we see people try to doctor up their lives, doctor up uh, who they are, to try to, to put on a better front. You ever known anyone? Have you ever done that? Uh, maybe tried to put some nice rims on your life so that when people look at you, they don't see the mess around you? Uh, so maybe so it looks better? I think we do that. I'm a bargain shopper. I love good deals. And when you had to buy a car, I wrecked ours. And uh, the, I thought, we'll find a car that, that's already been in a wreck, been fixed, has a salvage title, and we can get it for about $5,000 cheaper than what, it, than what we'd pay if it uh, didn't have a salvage title. And so we start looking around. And there are places all over Omaha where you can do this. And a ch good chance they've like been flooded out in a hurricane. But if you look real hard, you can find a car. And we had found one that was uh, been hit on the front left side. And but we liked everything about it, and so I said, I'm gonna take this to my mechanic. And I take it to my mechanic, and I said, give it a once-over. I wanna know everything that's wrong with this thing. And he comes back and he says, here's about $1,500 worth of fixes that if you don't fix, will blow out your transmission. 
uh, and overheat your motor. And it's like, whoa, I am so glad I took it to my mechanic. I went back to the dealer and I said, hey, you either fix this or I'll fix it. And you take that money off from the car. And they gave us a cheaper price, fixed all the things. I took it back into my mechanic and I stopped myself from buying a lemon. Uh, but here's what I think Jesus wants this morning. He wants the inside of our lives to match the outside of our lives. And he wants the outside to reflect the inside. And he wants that to make a difference in people's lives. And uh, he wants authentic Christians. And I think the world is tired of fake, uh, fake news, fake politicians, fake people, fake Christians, people pretending to be something they're not. The world is tired of it. And we need authentic people. And Jesus says the key to that is being salty and lit. Uh, it's by living out your faith in a way that impacts the community. It's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. If you're reading it, it's a sermon. If you have a Bible, you can open that. It's a sermon on the mount. And Jesus um, is speaking to people about living. Uh, and it's a, it's a huge section. And this is the second section of it. Um, but it's a sermon that just talks about holy living, he's, and he's explaining to them what it, he wants them to look like as, as followers. And he says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Uh, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl, and instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And Jesus said, says, Christians ought to be salty. They ought to be, not that kind, the not the one that's always looking, that's always upset and looking to get in an argument with someone. Um, not that, but, but the type that has a purpose. The type that adds value to wherever it's at. See, salt has really two values. It preserves and it seasons. Now, I love strong flavored food. Anything that like assaults your senses when you eat it, is my friend. I love it. And so I use a lot of salt because it, it brings out flavor. And my son sees this, and he wants me to uh, put salt on his food. And I do what every good parent does. I lie to him and pretend like I'm putting salt on his food. Um, you've done it. <laughs> because he doesn't need that. But I, I was thinking about this. thought one of these days, he's going to realize that either salt does nothing and it's worthless, <laughs> or that I've been lying to him, and hopefully he'll trust me after that. Um, but, but when salt isn't salty, when it doesn't preserve and when it doesn't season, Jesus says, it's like, it just throw it out on the road. It's, it's good to just be walked all over. That's it doesn't have a purpose. It doesn't have a value. And as followers of Jesus, we have purpose and we have a value to add to the community and the world that we're a part of and to make a difference of it. And that's why he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. And light is pretty incredible stuff. I, uh, uh, that when your light shines, people see you 
and they praise God. That they look at you and, and somehow they're drawn closer to Jesus because you were among them. Uh, your neighbors, your coworkers, uh, the people at the, your favorite restaurant that you eat at. Um, it's amazing. Light is powerful. Darkness can't hide in the presence of light. Everyone basks in the light. And you've been there. You've forgot to put the clothes in the washer or you, you forgot to um, grab something or you need to refill your water cup in the middle of the night and so you're going to walk down the hallway and you all of a sudden you're, you're walking and it's dark and you didn't turn on the light because it's your house and you know it so well and you step on a figurine of the Zuma water rescue dog <laughs> or Lego if you, if you don't know what Zoom is. But I tell you, my son has these little figurines that came out of a book, and those things can sit right in the middle of the floor, and you miss them, and you will just, your full weight goes down, and it hurts. Uh, we need light. In sixth grade, I had a bunk bed. My twin brother was underneath, and I was on top, and we, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was cold. I started feeling around. I was like, I need my blankets. I need my blankets. And I was on my hands and knees because I couldn't find them, and uh, find my blankets, and, and all of a sudden, as I'm uh, certain I was walking towards the end of the bed on my hands and knees, going like this, my hands are not on anything anymore, and I, I dive off the bed, flip, land, scream, my brother wakes up, my mom wakes up, my sister wakes up, uh, they call, come to see what, I'd, I'd flipped right off the edge of the bed. Uh, it was dark. I thought I knew what I was doing. I thought I knew where I was going. And I want to tell you, our world is comfortable and people think that we know where we're going and we know what we're doing, but we might be walking in darkness right into trouble and have no idea. See, Jesus says uh, that he is the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he says this. Uh, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus says, we're the light of the world. Uh, whoever follows me will come out of darkness into the light of life. They won't walk in darkness. And Jesus seems to think that people who don't follow him are in darkness. And that might be you. Jesus may seem weird. It may be your parents' thing. It may be your family's thing. Uh, you may have been dragged along here because, uh, today because you'll get lunch afterwards. Uh, Jesus may not interest you that much, but he says, if you're not following me, you're walking in darkness. And here's what you have to know. When God created us, he had a plan and a, a, a relationship that he desired with us. And there came a point when we stopped trusting him. We said, that can't be true. God must be hiding something for, from us. If I did it this way, it might be better. And it's in Genesis 3. And uh, the story of Adam and Eve, you've probably heard it, the, the serpent convinces her that God doesn't want her to eat from this tree and because then she'll have this knowledge and so she takes it and the man's there and uh, he watches it happen he eats too and, um, and and then man is cast out of the garden separated from God and God says that Jesus is our way back 
That's why the apostle Paul, when he writes in Romans, he says, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And we need Jesus to forgive our sins, to give us hope of eternity, and to help us figure out how to live in this world which is full of darkness. And all you have to do is turn on the TV to find the darkness. All you have to do is look at the newspaper. It's everywhere. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the life. And those who walk with me, those who follow me, will never walk in darkness. And he says, be the light of the world. Uh, Growing up, we had... uh, a couple of my friends had a Mustang. My favorite car is a 1993 Mustang Cobra Fox style. Some of you know what that is. Some of you have no idea, could care less. Um, it's a really fast Mustang, and it was a, the first year they made the Cobra, and I think 10 or 15 years, they had stopped making it. It was the fastest style, and it was this teal blue with a little bit of glitter, so it just shined. It was a super fast car. And that, Kevin owned that, and he was probably 17, 18 years old. Don't know how he afforded that, but he did. Uh, my friend Wiggy drove a Mustang, except it was an 89 Mustang, and uh, it, it It didn't have a good paint job. It was actually really ugly. It was like some color between maroon and rust and maybe some primer on it. And uh, Wiggy also had a set of gold rims that he never put on it because he didn't want to be that guy. But I tell you, under the hood, that car was faster than his Cobra. You would sit in the passenger seat and Wiggy could put money on the dash and say, try to grab it. And you, you, and you just, you couldn't. It was so fast, but it was so ugly. <laughs> he just needed to paint it. And so you'd pull up beside him and you'd, you'd like, well, it sounds loud, it sounds good. But it, it, it didn't look the way it should. And uh, I think sometimes we do that with the light. We, we have a connection to the light of the world, the light of life. And, and like, it, it hits us. And, and we soak it in, and then we don't know what to do with it or wh- where to let it go. Uh, the other night, when I'm putting my son to bed, we always do a bedtime routine. We, we take him, and we pray, and uh, sing a couple of songs, and we do some brushing our teeth. And my wife was gone, and, and I, he had closed the bedroom door, and the, a light on the wall, a nightlight, was casting, was hitting us, and our shadows were on the, on the door. And he said, Daddy, look, there's shadows. I said, yeah, buddy. He says, shadows can't hurt us. I was like, you're right, buddy. They can't hurt us. He's like, I don't like shadows. I was like, I know. But they can't do anything. And he's like, Jesus says, go away, shadows. And it's super cute. And I was like, buddy, the shadows, the light is just hitting us. And and we're blocking the light. It's, It's just not going through. The shadow is just us blocking the light. And I wonder how often the people around us are walking in shadows because we're blocking the light of Jesus. Maybe we're afraid to share it. Maybe we just don't like someone because they might be different, because uh, we have a past. I know when I lived in uh, Missouri Valley, it was just kind of like everybody knew everyone. And, it, and there was a connection 
and you, and you come in as a new person and you're trying to figure it all out. Um, sometimes it's fear. Sometimes we just don't like someone. But for some reason, uh, the hope of the world can be expressed through us and we might uh, repress it. And sometimes it's scary, right, to tell people about Jesus. Like, what if they don't like us? Like, what if they don't want to be around us anymore because we invited them to church, because we talk about Jesus? It can be intimidating, but God's plan has always been for us to share his light. In fact, in Genesis 12, 3, this is right after, it's the, the narrative part of the Bible where the narrative part of the Bible is really beginning. Um, and in Genesis 12, 3, he, God goes to this guy named Abram and he says, I want you to leave your people and you're going to go to a land I tell you. And I'm going to make you a great nation. And this is what he says. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Uh, Pretty much every Bible scholar thinks this is the beginning, thousands of years ago, of God pointing towards Jesus Christ coming to save us. And he wants to use Abraham. And Abraham was a slime ball. If you ever think God can't use you, read the story of Abraham, and you're going to realize he was not a good guy. In in Genesis 12 through about Genesis 23, is God helping this slime ball, this dirt bag, figure out how to follow him? And and you're like, wow, God, God uses people that are jerks or that, like, he... Yeah, he loves us and he will use us. That's why Jesus died, so that we don't have to be perfect, but that we can follow him. And in Isaiah 42, God says to the the nation of Israel, who really kind of kept God to themselves, um, said, this is what God the Lord says, Isaiah 42, 5 through 7, the creator of heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. Now, we're made righteous through the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus died for our sins on the cross and rose from the dead, we can be in a right relationship with God. That's righteousness. Uh, And he says, I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. That's non-Jews. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. God's plan has always been and always will be that his people uh, would take his message and be the light of the world. That people would see the way that they live and it would change their lives. And the apostle Peter, he wrote to the church in 1 Peter 2.9 and if you, you know Peter, he's the guy that uh, preached the first sermon after Jesus ascended into heaven. He's the guy that wrote two books of the Bible, was kind of like the, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, one of the 12 disciples that followed Jesus around, part of Jesus' inner three disciples. And he says, but you are a chosen, and this is New Testament, so this really, really applies to us. 
But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's how God feels about you. A chosen people, a holy nation, a special possession of God's. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And God wants his people to declare his praises, to help his message change the world and the communities and the places and the homes that you're a part of, the schools and the workplaces. He wants you to be the light of the world. And it doesn't have to be weird. Because we don't want to be weird. We don't want to be those people, do we? And I don't think God wants another street preacher that's really, I mean, social media preacher that's really annoying, uh, online, standing on the side of the road, screaming at people. I don't think God wants us out there holding signs, but I do think that he wants us loving people where we're at, and he wants us to influence them. And so what does that look like? Man, it looks like a guy by the name of Matt. If you knew Matt, uh, Matt is honest and blunt, and, it'll, and he will say whatever comes to mind, whenever it comes to mind, and that would make many people uncomfortable, but he's also sincere and honest and loving and kind, and he threw a birthday party, and he's a plumber. He's a, he's a coarse plumber that uh, says that it's way too blunt for his own good, um, but he threw a birthday party and invited a bunch of people. And I didn't know what to expect when I went over there, but I was amazed. There were probably, there were hundreds, literally hundreds of people were coming through this party to say hi, to wish him a happy birthday. Uh, and he, he tells stories of going in and, and uh, fixing people's plumbing. <laughs> you call a plumber when you have a pretty bad situation going on usually. But he's, he's telling people about Jesus when he's working on their pipes. And, it's amazing to see how many people who have no connection to the church would come to his birthday party just because of the person he is. He has high character, and he, would, he, would, and he loves people exactly where they're at, even if he says some of the craziest things, all right? Um, I love him. That's what it looks like to do this. Uh, it looks like a guy by the name of Russell. Uh, when I was 17, I got in a lot of trouble. I was in and out of jail several times. I didn't grow up going to church. In fact, the only time I went to church was when I was 12 years old, and my mom took us to a midnight mass at a Lutheran church when she was drunk for Christmas Eve. Um, that, was, that was her life. We, uh, she was an alcoholic. Uh, we had started using drugs and alcohol by the time I was about 13, and it didn't take long to go from weed to methamphetamines to cocaine and all of that type of stuff by the time I was 16, 17 years old. And I got arrested, and my twin brother was facing some felony charges, and we had to leave the town that we were in because we had moved out of my mom's house at 15, and we had to move to uh, Rapid City, South Dakota to live with my sister. And uh, one of the conditions of living with my sister was I had to be in by 8 p.m. and I had to go to treatment, 
with a group treatment with a bunch of kids, uh, teenagers, which I don't know if that's a great idea. Let's put a lot of teenagers addicted to drugs and introduce them to each other. And, and they, but this kid named Russell walks up to, to this day, I don't know why, he walks up to me and he says, hey, what do you do on Wednesday night? I have this church thing. It's a youth group. You should come. It was the first time in my life that somebody ever looked at me and invited me to church. And I was like, I don't know. I'd rather be in by 8 o'clock. What time does it get over? And he's like, I don't know, 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And I was like, let me ask. I can stay out past 8 o'clock. And I went to a karaoke night for the first time at a youth group in a church wearing a Rob Zombie t-shirt with cuss words asterisked out on the back. And uh, they were nice to me. They welcomed me. And there was this kid named Ricky there who had never used drugs or alcohol or anything. Ricky was as clean as you could be and rode a, he was a pretty good on a skateboard. Uh, but Ricky decided to have a Bible study in his basement. And his parents would make us cookies and then a bunch of teenagers would come over. And it was there that I read a passage of scripture and wrote uh, what I thought was my first sermon ever. Uh, And Ricky saying, yeah, you can come hang out. Let's talk about the Bible. I don't know that we knew it. I don't know that he knew enough about that. He knew enough to, hey, we're going to read this and talk about it. And it changed my entire life. That's what it means to be the light of the world. It means I'm going to love people where I'm at. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to tip well at a restaurant after church on Sunday. I'm going to be kind to the people around me. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to respect my parents. I'm going to I'm going to be a, a worker that my boss can trust or a boss that my employees love and respect because of the way I treat them. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to follow Jesus and let that light shine. And so this morning, I leave that challenge with you. Be the light of the world. Uh, be the salt of the earth. Uh, get salty and lit, if you know what that means, um, in a good way. Let's, God, you're incredible. And I'm grateful that you would trust us. <laughs> I don't know if that's, sometimes I don't know if that's a good idea. Uh, but you want me and you want us to shine your light and to make a difference in this world and the places where we're at. So would you help us love where we're at? Would you help us be the light of the world? Would you help us connect with you and believe that you give us hope and that you have saved us and we can help others find us?